Welcome to another relationship, another relationship, another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to talk about positive conflict, how to have positive conflict. And I know that's hard to imagine. I know when you hear the word conflict, what comes up? The same thing that comes up for all of us. It's going to be like war, fighting, pain, anger, hurt, sadness. The word conflict brings up a lot of negative connotations, but conflict can be positive. In fact, everything good and new in the world comes out of conflict. Everything good and new comes out of the meeting of difference and the resolution of difference. I'll give you an immediate example. <clears throat> hip hop. Hip hop has its roots in African-American disaffection with the wider society, feeling like they couldn't get an entrance into the music world the same way as other folks. And so coming up with a whole new genre that better represents their cultural roots and experience. And it's something that has taken over, like it's the music now. And that all came out of the dissonance between being an African-American and the wider culture, which didn't leave room for that presence to happen. And yet it emerged anyway. All right, so I doubt we're gonna start a new movement here, though it's possible, but I do think that maybe we're gonna blow some minds, open up some new ways of thinking. So let me tell you a little story about a conflict I had once. When I was about 16, uh, I was out with a friend of mine and we got into a playground area in our neighborhood and there were six other boys there. And we started talking and one of the boys pulled out a knife and said, give me your money. And I wasn't a small kid then, I'm not a small kid now. Uh, and my friend was kind of in the background just watching. And so there we were six on two and this guy wanted my money. And um, I looked at him and all of a sudden somebody punched me in the face. I didn't even see it coming. Somebody just cold cocked me. And I turned and I looked at the guy like, what did you do that for? And then I looked back at the guy with the knife and I said to him, you know, you're going to have to kill me. And I said, not only are you going to have to kill me, but you're going to have to accept that I'm probably going to hurt you while you're doing it. I may even win, but the chances are the six of you and two of us, th this isn't going to work out well for me. But I want you to know the only way you're going to get anything off me is to kill me. Now, I want you to know that for me, this was really unusual. I had grown up uh, being mugged, being oppressed, being afraid, and something snapped in me that day. Maybe it was getting cold cocked. I don't know what it was, but I, like all of a sudden I took a stand that I never took. And the guy put away his knife and he said, that's okay. And the next day I bumped into him and we talked about it and we smoked a little something together. Let's just call it a cigarette. And it was all friendly between us. So what happened there? What happened was, first of all, because I had been hit and had had no reaction to it, like I just looked at the guy like, what'd you do that for? There was evidence that I wasn't gonna go down easily. So when I made the statement, you're gonna have to kill me and it's not gonna be easy, they had evidence already. Now, I didn't think about that when I said that, like it wasn't planned. 
But the other thing is, I didn't say to them, I didn't get angry. I didn't say, you mofos, blah, 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 blah. I was pretty rational and reasonable when I said I was a little scared, too. I mean, this, this was not one of my most courageous moments, but it was definitely not one of my most fearful. The, the fear was there, but something else had kicked in. And I showed them respect. I didn't say, you'll never kill me. You know, I acknowledged the situation. So I gave them acknowledgement, but without giving away my personal power, I gave them acknowledgement, right? And what they really wanted, what these guys really wanted was that apparently, because that was enough. In fact, he gave me that knife the next day, by the way, he gave me that knife the next day, but that's a whole nother story. And so what, what came out of that conflict was we uh, like a, a, an alliance. We became allies instead of we started out as I was perceived as an enemy. I didn't know it at the time, but we came out of it as allies. And that's what that's a positive thing that came out of that conflict. And he probably thought twice about pulling a knife on somebody ever again, because he what he what he realized was he didn't want to kill anybody. Right. Like lucky me, he didn't want to kill anybody because if he did. And when I said, you're going to have to kill me, he would have just said, OK. Right. Because what the hell the heck did I know about knife fighting? And I share this story with you because there's a lot in this about how to approach conflict. So what I wasn't was I wasn't angry. I wasn't triggered. Right. Typically, when we think about conflict, we're thinking about two people who are triggered and angry. And when we're triggered and angry, the position is I'm going to win and you're going to lose. Or in that instance, I'm going to win and you're going to die. Well, in the example I just gave you, my position was you're going to win, but I'm going to win, too. <laughs> I may lose, but you're going to lose, too. We're even here. That was the position I gave him. You know, it was a it was not the typical triggered angry response. So the first trick to creating positive conflict is to have awareness and understanding of when we're triggered and to manage it. Now, I was definitely fearful, but I wasn't enraged and I wasn't in a position where I could run. I suppose I could have just turned away and run, but I was done with that. I was done with fighting. I was done with flight and I was done with playing dead. So I needed to go someplace different in that moment. I was willing to fight, but I wasn't willing to start it. I wasn't willing to lean into fighting as the solution. So what that means is my amygdala, the part of my brain that is fight, flight, or play dead, the part that's looking for danger, the part that has no rationality was actually not in charge. Another part of my brain was in charge, the cerebral cortex. So part of the solution of having positive conflict is that your rational mind needs to be in the driver's seat. And just so you know, ways to shrink your amygdala and diminish its impact or meditation, mindfulness, and prayer. Though I'm going to tell you, I wasn't practicing much of that then. This was just a, it was one of these emotional turning point in my life kind of experiences that are so rare and kind of cool. And at the time, I didn't even know what it was. So our amygdala is not engaged. And then what's next? The next part is to acknowledge that when there's conflict, usually people are positioned. Um, and so there, his position in that situation was, you look like you have some money. I want some of what you got. Or you have something I want. That was his position. My position, I didn't take a position. My position could have been mine. You don't get to have it. Well, that was kind of my position, but it wasn't. Because I said, you can have it. 
And these are the conditions under which you can have it. And in those conditions was acknowledgement of his power in that moment. And in giving him that power, I gave him what he really wanted, which was to be acknowledged as a power holder. The way to get under positions is to look for commonality, common ground. And in that stand that I took with him was the common ground. The common ground was neither of us really wants to be hurt. Neither of us really wants to fight. Neither of us really wants to die. Neither of us really wants to kill anyone. There, we, there was an instant experience of commonality. If you're in a committed relationship, that's not gonna work the way it did in this, this story. The way to work that with your partner, if you're managing your amygdala and not being triggered, is to uh, practice some committed listening with them. Start to, uh, committed listening is where you acknowledge a feeling and a fact about what they're saying. And in practicing committed listening, you're gonna hang out in your cerebral cortex and they're gonna feel heard. Feeling heard, really important. The guy, he felt heard. I heard, what I heard was that he needed to know that he had power in that moment, but that it was limited. So the first step is don't be triggered. The second step is if they're triggered, help them untrigger by hearing them. And the third step is to start exploring that common ground. Start finding out what are the values or what are the needs that are driving their position. And so an example in this country could be um, kids being shot in schools. There's one group of people that feels that it's really important to be armed and that the reason that kids are getting shot in school is because children are not being taught proper morals or they're not being taught proper values. And there's another group of people that feels that the reason kids are being shot in schools is that they can have access to guns and that guns should be locked up. And they're both kind of half truths. I mean, certainly if there were no guns, kids wouldn't be shot, but something else would be happening. If a child has... Uh, is feeling very insecure and has, and has been bullied, they're going to find a way to express that that is less than positive for other kids. So yeah, part of the problem is for sure, let's keep guns out of the hands of kids, but we still need to deal with whatever's driving the desire to grab a weapon and shoot other kids. So there's truth on both sides. And a creative solution, if we had both sides get off their positions and get into their values, they both want kids to be safe. They both want kids to be happy. They both want kids to treat each other with respect. They have common ground there. There could be a creative solution if we could get them to get off their positions, those two politically motivated positions, and start to focus on how do we actually solve the problem in a way that meets all of our values and all our needs, starting with the overlap. And that's exactly the recipe that you have creative conflict resolution with your partner or your wife or your husband or whoever is there. Acknowledge the position, see what's under the position, explore common values and common needs, and come up with a solution. And in the case of hip hop, the common value and common need was African-American musicians wanted to make money. People in the music business wanted to make money <laughs> and they and they found a way to do that together. And, you know, the rest is history. Right. It's actually kind of cool. All right. So. How do you apply this in your day to day life? 
this thing of acknowledging your triggers and controlling them is really central and really key. If you want to have creative conflict, if you want to have creative resolution of difference, you've, we all need to learn to not be so reactive to one another. And we can't all wait for a moment where the aha light bulb moment happens like it did for me in that moment in the playground. That was just like one of those rare, I'm done, I'm done feeling this way, I need to change something moments. So it takes self-awareness, understanding what triggers us and why, and having strategies for managing ourselves when we feel triggered to work through that. It might be a, a strategy for that might be with your partner or loved one. It might be that you agree that e either one of you feels triggered. You're going to say, I'm feeling a little hot under the collar. Let's take a time out and come back at this. And then you come back at it when you're both cooler. Talk about your differences and start to look for commonality and find that common ground and find a way to work through it. That's certainly a strategy that's gonna work well. Another thing you might do is practice mindfulness, meditation, or prayer. These are three, excuse me, three tools that are proven to shrink the amygdala and grow the cerebral cortex. The more that you work on yourself and managing your own triggers, the less you're gonna get into destructive conflict. And destructive conflict, again, I'm gonna define as I win, you lose. And the more you'll get into constructive conflict, which is I'm not going to play unless we can both win. So that's what we're going for here is the win-win. Constructive conflict is always founded on, let's find a scenario where everybody wins. And if you're faced with a conflict and there is no way to have a win-win, what are your choices? You walk away because having a win-win means you don't play unless there is one. And so what that means is you're going to have to let go of your attachment to there being a win and reattach yourself to the idea of I'm only going to have wins that involve other people. It's not that I have to have a win in a specific situation. It's not that I have to have a specific outcome. It's that my life is going to be a life where I only experience wins with other people. That is my commitment to my relationships. And if there can't be a win, then we're not going to play together. And it, life gets much simpler when we take the stand. And when you start from that stand, creative conflict resolution becomes so much more attainable. When we let go of the outcome that we want to have, which is a win with this person, and just stay committed to the idea that our relationships are going to only have win-win scenarios in them, and it may not be with that person, it might be with someone else. When we're ready to let go and move on, that's when the magic happens. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Please uh, comment. Reach out to me. If you want to have a one-to-one -one with me to talk about conflict in your life, use the link bit.ly forward slash end the fight, all one word. Or you can email me at rich at richinrelationship.com. This is a super empowering idea, it will change your life. And get that we are all not wired this way for the most part. We've all been pre-wired for I'm gonna win, you're gonna lose. And letting go of that can be hard because there's almost an, an addiction to it. And there's also, uh, because that's stuff that we learn from our families and our culture, it's, it can be tricky to unwire, but not impossible. 
or another way to put it would be simple, but not easy. All right, have a great day and thank you so much. 